Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host, and happy Monday to you. We have got an amazing show today. I know I always say that, but it's true. We really do. Uh, Matt Leff is on the show today. He was my very first interview that I ever did for Nashville Restaurant Radio back on March 16th. And uh, he's back seven months later just to kind of talk about all the things that have happened in perspective and where we've come and what he's doing and uh, where the festival industry is and where the beer industry is and um, just a good catch up, good conversation. Um, We are so excited that you are here to join us for this. Want to mention Trust 20. Trust 20 is out there right now. They are visiting restaurants. They are certifying people and 20 tactics to keep your restaurant clean and safe for your employees as well as your guests. They will give you cool stickers to put on your windows to let your guests know that you are certified and they will promote you also. They'll get you out there, let everybody know that you are certified. So head over to trustthenumber20.com and request your certification today. They'll come out and check it out. And uh, I think it's pretty important that you do so. Also want to uh, tell you that we've got t-shirts for sale. Brand new Nashville Restaurant Radio t-shirts. They are in all sizes, and you can go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com to purchase one. And we also have hats, a bunch of different hats, t-shirts. And if you order a t-shirt or a hat, I will throw in a couple stickers as a gift to you for uh, for helping support us. We certainly appreciate it. The t-shirts are super soft and uh, super comfortable, so they're those type t-shirts. You touch, and it's like, yes, this is what I want, the canvas tri-blend. They are so soft and comfortable, um, definitely to wear around town, but even to wear to bed, whatever. Love uh, love to have you support us. Thank you so much. Also want to tell you that we have got a YouTube channel. You find us on YouTube. I break down the roundup. I've got all the individual segments on there. Lots of interviews. This interview today is up. Sometimes uh, I edit out the audio a little bit, and then the video is just the full video. So out of this episode... There's probably two or three minutes that is not in this audio you're going to hear today, but will be on the video. So I don't know if you guys knew that, that I kind of edit out the audio for the show, but then the video is just uncut. Have a good time. Most of the time. This was like audio issues or something. But uh, so there you go. There's a little, there's some Easter eggs in the videos if you watch them. But please go to YouTube, subscribe to our channel, or go to NashvilleRestaurantRadio.com. Click the watch tab and uh, click the video you want to watch. It'll take you straight there. Uh, So thank you guys for listening today. Let me know what you think. I'll always love some feedback. And uh, we'll jump right in. Sweet. All right, with much excitement, welcoming back into the show, Matt Leff, the owner of Rhizome Productions. What's up, Matt? Good to see you. How's everybody doing? You know what? (laughs) We're we're doing great, man. We are as I think that we're blessed and uh, we're making it. We're, we're we're hanging on by the skin of our teeth. 
How about yourself? That's all we, that's all we can do right now. Survive, right? <laughs> you know what? I feel like you and I have like some similar kind of things going on because this thing happened and I'm a, I'm a restaurant consultant. I mean, every restaurant closed essentially and they don't want to spend money on this kind of thing. Yeah. And your company does events. Yeah. So like, we're, we're the last to recover in this, uh, this mess we're in <laughs> the last to recover. And you, I think that you have a similar mindset that we've, both just like pedal to the metal hustling That's, everything yeah. we possibly can mowing yards like <laughs> like hey i got kids i have to feed who's in who wants oh, yeah. to who wants to work with me and that's just kind of been your mo and mine too i think that's just been my mo for like my entire life i i've just been bred that way by my uh my family they were always business owners and had to make it on their own and not have any help from anybody else so uh, it's kind of my mentality. It, so if anything, it's a good time to have that mentality. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's definitely been, um, been helpful. So you were back to like March the 16th. You were yep. the very first interview. You were the first guest on yeah. Nashville restaurant radio. I don't know if and you recognize you're that. It up. You're blowing it well, up. <laughs> we are, we both just celebrated last week. Um, Writers' picks in the Nashville scene, best of Nashville 2020. Um, Congratulations, best you guys. Brewery events, Rhizome um, Home, Rhizome Virtual uh, Beer Festivals. Yeah, and I, I would maybe drop the word festival. I would call them more uh, experiences. They're a little more, obviously, more intimate than what one would think of a festival. Uh, but either way, honored to to get that. It was a surprise to me. Uh, I'm sure it was a surprise for you. Yeah, but, it was, uh, you know, innovating is the key right now and, and pivoting, which is seems to be the word of the year. So, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. We've got actually we got one tomorrow uh, with with uh, Nikki's coal fired. I know Caroline was on the show uh, last week. We're doing um, we're doing a take and bake pizza pairing with them uh, or, or we did. And uh, it's got a nine pack of beer all custom tailored to go with uh, one of their take and bake pizzas. There's three different topping types on this one six slice pizza. And we're going to have people from the breweries on. And we're going to talk about it and drink. And we got a concert that's going on in the middle of it. We've been doing these every month now, about twice a month. How was it working with the Galsons? Oh, they're the best. Uh, I manage a way to work her into every podcast somehow. She, I mean, she's like <laughs> the, the the mayor of, of Nashville restaurants. I don't know. I think it's yeah. amazing. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way. You know, I threw this idea at Tony and and uh, it wasn't really a discussion. He's like, let's do it, dude. <laughs> Um, you know, they're, they're, they want to do whatever they can do to engage their community and their audience. Um, and there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of bleed there between what I can do with them. Um, they've always been great to work with. They've been part of our events in the past that have involved food and always super willing and, uh, and able and their food's awesome. So you it can't is. go wrong. <laughs> so last time we talked, I want to go over some of this and then I, I want to kind of catch up to exactly what you're doing. I want to talk more about these home beer festivals. Yeah. You, your life, what life has been like. I got, I got lots to talk to you about. Let's do it. Let's do it. Um, last time we talked was on March the 16th and it was a, uh, I don't know if it feels like it was a really, really long time ago or it was yesterday. I, I like it's weird. I don't, <laughs> I feel, you know what? I'm going to say definitively. It feels like it was 2004. <laughs> I 
first of all, because I was talking to you at like nine o'clock at night. I do these interviews in the mornings. I was talking to you at nine o'clock at night. I was holding my cell phone on speakerphone up to a microphone while I was talking to you. And it tells. If you go back and listen to our first episode, it's like, is he on speakerphone? Yes, he is. That's what's going on there. I was also like lounging on my couch with the TV on mute in the background. I, you know, like <laughs> it, it was a, a very strange moment. <laughs> well, I, I put on Facebook, I put a post on Facebook and I go, hey, I'm going to start a podcast. Who wants to come on and talk? There's a bunch of crazy shit going on right now. And you were like, I'm game, dude. Let's roll. And I was like, okay, cool. Send me your number. Let's talk. And, yep. um, and what came out of that, if you, if you go back and listen, I, I ask everybody listening right now to go back to the March. Uh, set it, we, I released it on St. Patrick's Day, March 17th yep. um, episode where some pretty amazing things came out of that interview. We talked about all the things you were doing, the East Nashville Beer Festival, which is was supposed to have the 10-year anniversary. And you said, we're going to do that in a couple of weeks, Lord willing, if we can make that happen. Uh, we're going to have that. I mean, hopefully we can still do it. You were very... Um, very cognizant of being responsible and not throwing events like you were. I loved just the integrity of my first, my first instinct is to be safe. And I don't want to do anything that's going to be a spreading of this virus. Yeah, very, you weren't, <laughs> Hey, let's try and get one more in before it really hits. You were like, no, we've really got to be, take this thing seriously. And I love that. But the optimism of in a few weeks, we're going to do the East Nashville Beer Festival. We're going to go. One of my favorite comments that you made was you said, if we can hunker down for these 15 days, it may seem like a really long time. But if we can get through these 15 days, I think we're going to be all right. God, I wish. What does that statement feel like right now? Uh that I had no fucking clue what I was saying. <laughs> I wish that was the truth, man. That would have been amazing. Could you imagine that day? I mean, beginning of March, can you imagine right now just what we're doing today? Could you imagine where we are? Definitely not. I mean, look, there's, there's such little, you know, most people that are alive right now never went through this unless, you know, you're 100 years old almost and lived through, you know, the plague in 1918 or whatever. It's the uh, pandemic of 1918. I mean, none of us have done this before. We're figuring it out. It still sucks. But, you know, I feel like it's a little it's a little more manageable now. We know what to do. We've got the information. Uh, you know, if you got a half a brain, it's doable. It's not the same, you know, I haven't seen my parents since December. Um, you know, like there's some challenges if, if you don't have family close by, um, you know, we don't get to socialize with friends like we used to, but you know, we can do this and it's better than nothing. I, I really feel like this is, I, I, I feel for people. I'm trying to be empathetic for people. I know you've got to do this too, but like I've done over a hundred podcasts since that day. I've had over a hundred interviews awesome. since we did that interview and I've got to have such these deep, meaningful conversations with so many people. Like, I feel like I've never connected with people before on the level in which I've been connecting with people over yeah, this time. I, I think I think having to do this one on one, you know, you're kind of focused. You're not out at a bar or a restaurant distracted. You know, you, it, it's it's there's an intensity to doing these things online. Um, and, and we were doing it simultaneously for a little while. 
I did about four months of, of twice a week doing this with people in the beer industry. I've tailored it down just because we've all kind of found our, uh, our, our, our lane. And I think everybody's in it and just focusing. Um, it's a little less dynamic right now. And I'm sure we'll bring it back when we need to. Um, but there's, there's definitely an intensity of doing these sort of, you know, podcasts and video conversations where there's less distraction because, you know, I'm in my garage by myself, you're at home by yourself. Uh, you know, there's less distraction. So it does, I think, allow for a little more clarity. If you could go back to that interview, March 16th, March, maybe wake up the morning of March 17th, and you could give yourself advice. Knowing what you know today, what advice would you give yourself? Good question. Uh, parenting is a lot harder than I realized. <laughs> um, diversify <laughs> your income sources. <laughs> Probably a good one. I think a lot of people in my world can agree with that now. Um, you know, God, yeah, those are probably my, uh, would be my two takeaways. <laughs> so parenting is hard. Have you, cause you know, we have children just like, how old are your kids? They're the same uh, ages, just mine, right? about six and just about four. So yeah. Yeah. You're four and six and I'm five and seven. So, uh, I thought I was a good dad <laughs> and then, and then I'm home with them for three months not leaving the house like we, we, my wife went to the store i never left like right. she would like mask up and do she had like plastic gloves on would go to the store like take her clothes off in the garage we would then burn them and she would walk inside it was a whole <laughs> process back in the day i didn't leave so oh, yeah. i got to know my kids on a different level and it was amazing because i didn't realize how much i had missed i'm, I'm with you there yeah it was uh very intense and definitely moments where you didn't know if the pandemic was worse or having your kids home 24 hours a day was worse. <laughs> or, and, you know, the same thing goes with our spouses. I mean, you know, spending that much time with your spouse, I mean, the divorce rates and people breaking up I'm has sure been that. insane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good time to be a therapist. <laughs> good time to be a therapist. <laughs> Amen, for sure. That That's that's the that's the business you uh, you want to be in. That and I think creating alcohol. <laughs> People are certainly drinking more. <laughs> People are certainly drinking more. Yes. So um, I also asked you. I said, "What is your beer of the moment?" And you said, um, "I'm going to drink a lot of sour lambics." There, yeah, sounds about right. <laughs> that you were drinking, and then you said that you had went to Publix and bought some High Life, and uh, the people at Publix were amazing. But the high life was exactly what you needed. You're drinking a lot of lagers and pilsners. Yep. And believe it or not, I still have three of those high lifes in the fridge behind me. <laughs> Seven <laughs> months I later. I did a shit job at drinking it. <laughs> well, hey. But now, but you have them. Maybe you'll have one tonight to to celebrate the, the second I, interview. I, I should. I think they may have went on a date by now, but I'll drink it anyway because it won't taste any different. Well, that's what you said. You said, you know... Um, IPAs, you feel a sense of urgency to drink faster because they go bad. But Miller High Life, you can keep in your fridge forever, and they're still good. I, yeah, I'll stand by that. <laughs> there it is. What are you drinking today? What's on your? Uh, uh, what have you uh, discovered? Anything you've discovered amazing during pandemic? Yeah, so I, I recently went and visited the guys who um, who started Walker Brothers Kombucha here in town. They're out by the airport. Um, not, Love not kombucha. Too, not too far from King Market, actually. 
Really? Um, yeah, yeah. Where I actually, they're in the same um, office complex that I used to work in when I first moved to Nashville before Rhizome. Uh, and I was doing, you know, in the tech world. Um, they're in the same space right over on Air Park Drive. You probably, not far, oh, from, yeah. not from, far from where your brother used to live. Um, and they're doing regular kombuchas, non-alcoholic. And then they're also doing what they're calling their high gravity kombuchas, AKA they're 5% alcohol. So not high gravity in the sense of beer, uh, but have some alcohol in them. And yeah. two brothers, great story. The, uh, the, um, the SCOBY that they're using is actually from like their aunt who lives up in Connecticut when they were moving here. They're like, Hey, come visit. We'll give you some SCOBY to take with you. And they started making it at home. And now what is SCOBY? SCOBY is the actual, um, organism or the, the, basically the, the, uh, the, the bugs that make kombucha, you know, cause it's a fermented beverage. Um, so the, the SCOBY is what actually creates kombucha and ferments it. Okay. So you seem to know much more about this than I do. I love kombucha cause, um, Two days from now, I celebrate my one year of uh, sobriety. Mazel tov. <laughs> Thank awesome. you. So I drink a lot of kombucha, but like I just, it's like fermented tea is what I've kind of, and That's there's right. just lots of flavors. What, what is what is kombucha? Can you help me so, break I mean, this it down? Is, in its simplest form, it is fermented black tea. And it okay. dates back to like, I want to say the 1500s in Mongolia is where it came from. So it's an ancient drink. Um, and the the actual like uh, the bacteria that that ferment it, the name for that is a scoby. That's kind of the uh, the extent of my knowledge. <laughs> okay, there we go, there we go. And what is the name of the to Walker Brothers? Walker Brothers. I'll introduce you on an email. You should do a show with them. Great people. Um, hang on, I'm going to show you a can to your your viewers because I have them right here. You're reading my mind. I was like, uh, I want their name. I want to interview them. So this is one of their high gravity. So it's five percent. And it's a watermelon lime. They can them all. Um, they just came out actually, uh, you know, I'm whatever I promote everybody. They just came out with like a chai kombucha. That's no alcohol, uh, for the season. And I got to taste it before they canned it. It was delicious. Wow. Okay. Yeah, no, I'm impressed with brothers. what they're doing. Yeah. I'll introduce you to them. They're good people. Thank you. Uh, they actually, we featured their blackberry high gravity kombucha in our pizza pairing, um, with Nikki's and it was awesome. Sweet. Yeah. Um, okay. So that's the what extent else? of my kombucha knowledge. <laughs> well, what, what else you got? What else you been drinking? You like the Walker uh, Brothers High Gravity Kombucha. Yeah. Where yeah. could you find any liquor store or anything? Um, you know, they're they're around town. I think they're at like probably some liquor stores. They're probably at uh, Turnip Truck and Whole Foods and places okay. like that. Cool. Um, and, and I think there's some on-premise places that are starting to pick them up, especially with the cans. Makes it pretty easy. There should um, be more on-premise places. They're local? They, yeah, they're right here in Nashville. Local kombucha that's in a it's can awesome. that's uh, got, got alcohol in it. Yeah, I, I think saw that's... you were drinking uh, Maypop, my buddy Matt Herrick, who started Maypop, making yes. sparkling water. Delicious. I friended him on Facebook. I was like, yeah, I want to learn more about that, too. I mean, I, I, you know, since, like I said, I don't drink, I don't want that to be my defining thing. But when I go out, I still like to feel special. You know I mean? I still yeah, like to celebrate. Cheers, people, and, you know, kind of hang out and not feel like I can't be part of the group because I have to have water or tea. So I always like there to be some kind of other option. Kombucha is great. Just the flavor's good. Gives you kind of an energy. I like the bubbles. Yeah. And, um, you know, I like the effervescence of a drink. So I'm always looking for new things. And Maypop was really good. I was really yeah, impressed by that. He's done a great job, and it's been nice to see him. I mean, he just started it, of course, like right before the pandemic. 
um, you know, rough timing, but he's doing a great job. He's been out at all the farmers markets every week, and I think he's doing a really great job. And it's delicious to top it off. Um, I've been drinking a lot of uh, German beers. Obviously, you know, Oktoberfest mm. came and went. Uh, I've got a bunch of Polliner Oktoberfest behind me. You can see it right there. Uh, no, right there. Yep, I see it. <laughs> um, so I've been. I've, I love. I love lagers and pilsners. I'm still drinking a lot of those. Mm. You know, there's something just about the simplicity of a good lager that I think uh, just kind of, kind of where I want to be. Um, but with these virtual events, I've been, you know, I've myself, we've been building these packages. We've been curating these beers and working with breweries, but I've been getting to try a lot of stuff that I may not go and, you know, buy a six pack of or a four pack of. So that's been fun. We've been, do, so we've been doing these virtual events since June. We've been doing two a month. Um, so June, July, August, September. So we've done, you know, about 10 of them so far. Um, and they're going really well. I mean, they're, they're small. They're not really about making money. They're more about engagement and showing people that there are things that we can do uh, during these challenging times that keep us safe, but allow us to have some fun. Um, so those are usually the general uh, program is two hours. We do them on Zoom. Everybody gets to dial in. Uh, we encourage people to use their cameras and sort of build these fun tablescapes um, and, and really get into it. Um, so they include usually about eight to 10 different beers, um, some sort of food. The majority of them have been chocolate, cheese, and charcuterie that we curate and pair with the beers. We get a bunch of cool merchandise from all the breweries. We do a concert in the middle, sort of like an intermission, 10 minute concert. Um, we've had Alana Royale perform. We've had the rock and roll residency, re uh, perform, uh, Patrick's not Patrick, uh, got him drawing a blank on his name. It'll come to me. Um, these just virtual you just have is it like a band or is it like a guy in a guitar or a girl in a guitar the, so the rock and roll residency was the three main guys in the rock and roll residency um alana royale it's her and her husband jared who, who's the guitar player um the other musicians are usually solo but they'll zoom in you know they've got home studios and they'll play for 10 15 minutes uh people are super generous and, and tip them well they make you know like 100 bucks in 10 minutes that's uh, great yeah, I mean, you know, look, it, musicians are challenged right now. Everything's virtual. It's hard to make money as a musician. Um, so we've been doing these. And again, they're surprisingly engaging and fun. We, 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 like I said, we challenge people to make cheese plates and tablescapes. They submit photos. We pick a winner and give them a special beer from the Rhizome Cellar. Um, so it's been great. And, you know, we, we're going to do those through the end of the year and we'll see what happens next year. I saw that you have December the 5th was the winter warmer. That obviously is not happening. <laughs> well, so it's canceled. Uh, I mean, December fifth is still person, a little ways canceled. away. Yeah, you know, we we so we flirted with the idea of trying to pull it off. We looked at a lot of different options. We spoke with Metro Public Health. We spoke with Metro Parks, um, and we know from a production standpoint that we can produce a safe and good environment where we can do it right problem is is once you start drinking we can't control you and that's the reality and yeah we just don't want to take that chance so we're going to put together a virtual we'll probably announce that in the next couple days here um where we're going to basically pick a couple of our favorite breweries from over the years that have been part of winter warmer and put together a package that will feature great winter warmer beers we'll make our winter warmer cups that we make normally and we'll do those virtually so it may be one or two weekends of a virtual winter warmer but it's not in person this is not the year for that unfortunately 
Wow, that's, that's, that's just depressing. I mean, it's almost as depressing as the first interview, just hearing all of these amazing yeah. events that aren't happening. And you're just like, damn. Yeah, I but mean, you're we doing lost our whole year in terms of in-person events. So how are you getting along? I mean, I know we talked about hustling and just kind of doing things. Like, how can, if I got listeners out there who are like, dude, I freaking love this guy. He's <laughs> awesome. And he's doing all this stuff for people. I'd love to support him help him financially, whatever it might be. How do people do that? Uh, Participate in our virtual events. Like I said, they're not necessarily about making money, but they put a little bit in the bank. Um, You know, that, that works. I mean, like I said, I've been, I've always been hustling. So I've got two side hustles right now that, you know, are making sure I can pay the bills and feed the family. And that's all that matters right now. Um, You know, the main thing is we, we want to still help people. So that's why we've, so with these virtual events, you know, we're, we're buying beer from, our local and regional breweries, um, you know, Nikki's, like I said, participated in one, we're paying them for the food. So it's just about helping each other. And, and that's what we're doing. The, when we do the cheese, that all comes through the Bloomy Rhine, which is a local cheese purveyor uh, here in town, Kathleen Cotter. She's been doing it literally about the same time that we started uh, Rhizome back in, in 2011. So we've been working with her on the cheese. Uh, the chocolate that we include is Alvin Sinclair over in East Nashville. Scott, yeah. good friend of ours. Um, you should have him on the show, by the way. Maybe I, you know a what? Great interview. He, Scott Witherell, right? Yeah. 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 I, I've, um, I've known him for years and I need to, I need to, I, you know what? There's like 50 people right now hey, that great. are on my list. And, you know, somebody said, you're going to, you know, you do four shows a week, you do three shows a week. You're going to run out of people. And I'm like, no, I feel like, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like every day there's like 15 more people. I'm like, oh, I want to talk to that person. I want to talk to that person. And I feel bad sure. because I don't want people out there to feel like they're not being prioritized when they hear different interviews. But I'm like, get in touch with me. Send me a message that says, hey, man, I'd love to come on the show. Let's pick a date. Yeah. And I'll lock it in and we'll just do it. <laughs> other than that, it, it's, a, it's a challenge to, to you know, like you said, we've got a, I've got a couple other things I'm doing also almost yeah, like a full-time job. This is something that isn't, you know, um, I would love this to be my full-time job, but um, maybe one day. Maybe one day. Yeah, I mean, hey, if I, if I could do a virtual event every weekend, it could become maybe a full-time job. Um, yeah. We're actually, what we're working on right now, one thing that, that kind of could be a cool result of these, uh, we worked with an importer that brings in a bunch of products from Belgium and Germany and England, and we, we did an event here in Nashville with their beers, and it was really well received. And uh, the local or the regional representative for that importer presented the event to the entire company on their national sales meeting. And it was extremely surprisingly well received. Uh, this is a company that's just a little set in their ways. They've been around a long time. They're not necessarily um, dynamic in how they look at things. And a lot of their reps from around the country saw this and were like, wow, when's the last time we had 50 people physically or virtually in a room listening and drinking only the beers we bring into the country. And we're working on essentially picking some key cities that they distribute these beers and doing a multi-city virtual event uh, where we'll host it here from Nashville, but we'll have people dialing in from about six to eight different cities across the East Coast. Um, They'll all be working with a local host retailer rather in those cities to pick up these boxes. And we're actually going to ship the chocolate and the cheese and the charcuterie from Nashville to all of these retailers across the country. It'll go in the boxes and then we'll have a multi-city event where we're, we're you know, doing this with this importer. 
Um, and that that's actually some real money potentially. There could be, yeah. you know, some real opportunity there where, you know, maybe that's a couple thousand dollars, uh, you know, on a Saturday hosting a virtual event for two, 300 people across the country, which is really cool. That's, that's amazing. I mean, that's just, and what a fun event, what a fun time that would be just to do all of that, you yeah, know? Yeah. And, and we encourage like, you know, I've, I've done a lot of these where everybody's muted and if, if people are talkative, we'll mute everybody, but we want engagement. We want people to be asking questions and, and really, you know, diving in on it. So to have that many people in on a zoom potentially, um, that are they're obviously buying this because they want to learn about it. They want to drink it. They want to experience it. So the feedback that can come from that could be really great. And, you know, we record these, we share them with the breweries and the importers and accounts. So that could potentially build into something where these virtual events may, you know, become something that live on even when we can get back to in-person events. Can I ask you something really weird? Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to be negative, but do you have to like, to get people on these things, do you have to like check IDs? No. I mean, cause like, what if you have like a guy with his kids there and they go, oh, I don't care if my kids drink, they can hang out and drink. Are you, are you like, do you feel, are you responsible in any way for that? So they have to pick it up at a retailer. That retailer has to check their ID. Once they take it home, it's not my problem. <laughs> okay, good. Well, that's what I didn't know. I was like, all of a sudden I was thinking like, how cool would it be to do these events? Because there's a lot of, things you don't have to deal with. I mean, you get to do like all of the positives of an event where you get to yeah. talk about the beer and have this intimate connection and you get to control the whole thing from one central location instead yeah. of IDs and drunk people and porta potties and all of the things that you have to kind of simpler than than <laughs> it once was. <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think this could be the new way in which festivals are done? It's, I mean, the, the the connection, the experience, the community that our events create in person is definitely not the same virtually. Um, I think people are getting used to it, but at the same time, I think there's some fatigue um, out imagine. there, you know, um, but, you know, in my opinion, I think it's going to be a while until we really get back to events in their normal sense. It may be like a full year from now, in my opinion, if not longer. That's, I mean... I'm, I'm a realist. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not being negative. Uh, but pandemics don't end overnight. It takes a long time. I mean, read the, read the history, read the books, you know, I don't know. I think that we're going to have, a, we're going to have a vaccine. We're going to have a vaccine in less than a month. It's going to be really good. We're going to all, it, it's going to be, it's going to be huge. Uh, At the end of the year, it's going to just go away. It's just going to disappear. Play the accordion, make plans, make plans. I don't for know. January vaccine. I, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't want to get my hopes up. I don't want to get our fans hopes up. I'm ready. And, you know, one of the things that a lot of, and I think we maybe talked about this in March, one of the really lucky, lucky things of our business, that being Rhizome is we can kind of go into hibernation in reality. You know, we don't have overhead. We don't have an office. We don't have rent. We don't have loans. We don't have debt. We're, you know, at the end of the day, we're a tiny company and we can really, we can hibernate. We can push pause and be ready when we can get back at it. You know, are there financial hardships? You know, can I pay the people who have supported me? Can I support all the other businesses that made our events possible? No. And that is what kind of weighs on me. But we, you know, we can be ready as soon as it's safe to get right back out there. And we know the demand will be there. I think there will be some people who still are worried about, you know, 
safety and proximity to other people. And, and that's okay. We, we can, we can make that environment safe when the time is right, but we're really lucky in the sense that, you know, we're, we're, we're not some giant machine that, you know, eats money every day. Like I was, I'm going to not to compare myself to an airline, but I read an article about Southwest. They burn literally just fucking light it on fire. $16 million a day. That's how much it costs to run that airline. Damn. Somehow they're still there. I don't know how, but they are. They lost $1.6 billion last quarter. That's more than I make in a year. It's more than I'll probably make in a fucking <laughs> Pardon my language, but, um, you know, we don't yeah. have, a, you know, we don't have a burn rate in reality. And we're mm-hmm. really lucky. A lot of businesses do. Like, look at all of our friends in restaurants. They have rent. They have food costs. They have health insurance that maybe they're providing for their employees because they're, they're awesome people. How do you survive when you've got a burn rate that's 50 grand a month, a hundred grand a month? Well, I mean, that's, 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 that's the crux of it. I mean, that's the question. That's one of the main reasons why, you know, I want to bring people on and promote them. And that's why I've been screaming from the mountaintops that you need to be eating local. I mean, these are people that the, the restaurant scene is the cultural center. I mean, people come to Nashville. They don't just come to Nashville because the Grand Ole Opry, they come to Nashville because Arnold's meat and three and they come to Nashville for these iconic places that create who Nashville is. And if we're not out supporting those places, they're going to go away. And you know what comes in when those restaurants go away? Red lobster, you know, like red lobster and these, you know, big chains come in and we have enough of that garbage. Yeah. And you know, when you're, when you're upset because Davis kid is no longer, you know, Davis Kid Bookstore in Green Hills, the greatest bookstore, and then it's gone. And people go, oh, man, that sucks. The corporate takeover. And I'm like, when was the last time you were there? And they're like, oh, I haven't been there in years. And you're like, that's why they're closed. Because you're buying shit on Amazon right now, and you're buying stuff from Borders and these other gigantic bookstores. Like, go support the local places yep. that, um, that take care of you. Parnassus. Parnassus. Yeah, you, sh- you show up, you tell them you're outside, they'll put the books in your trunk. It's great. We it's do that amazing. Like a month with our kids. They love it. And right there in that little corner, the donut den, you know, I mean, Fox's donut den love those is donuts. like the best. And we went to five daughters last weekend and it was good. The donut was great. Uh, we love the donut and dog too, but like there's something about the donut den. That's just so damn good. Yep. Every time I go somewhere and I bring donuts, like a meeting or something, I always make the trip through green hills and i always bring donut den donuts because i i want to send that message yeah that i care have you uh have you tried status dough over in east nashville no i'm writing it down you need to. they are I, I love foxes they're classic status dough is like take the classic donut and just elevate it maybe one layer they're not fancy donuts. They're not foo-foo donuts, but they're just like, like the chocolate is real chocolate. It's not chocolate with 19 chemicals. <laughs> okay. Status really, dough in East Nashville. Check them out. They started I think, in Knoxville and then decided to open up a location in Nashville. Um, it's over on Gallatin up. It's almost in Inglewood, I think. And they are some of the best donuts I've ever had, period. What are some other local places, any other places that you've enjoyed or been able to go get takeout or anything that you want to give a shout out to? I I will, I will say my cooking game, which has always been pretty strong 
has definitely taken it to the next level the past few months. We we have not been doing a ton of takeout. Obviously, we're trying to be wise with our pennies. Of course. Uh, you know, Kroger and KNS World Market probably get most of my money. <laughs> um, and Costco, I should say. Uh, we So when we do takeout, we have frequented Korea House quite a bit. We love Korea House. Um, they were closed, actually, for quite a while in the beginning of the pandemic. They didn't reopen until like May because um, they're a tiny restaurant, you know, old school f- Korean family. I think they were yeah. resident and, and risk adverse, but they're back open. We've been doing a lot of takeout from them. Uh, Sonobana, our kids love Sonobana over on White Bridge Road. So we've been doing some sushi uh, takeout from them. What else have we done? Gosh, um, we, we eat real ethnic in our house. So uh, Wong Tofu over on Charlotte Pike is a Vietnamese banh mi shop that I go to quite frequently. Uh, have you been to East Side banh mi yet? I have. Fantastic. I tried yeah. the, uh, the lemongrass chicken banh mi. I really enjoyed it. I need to go back and try some of their other stuff. I'm trying to think what else we've done recently. Oh, you know, you know, we're going to try not far from from your house either is uh, Tito's opened up this week. They did open. It's open. Oh, Can you what? believe they opened a restaurant in the middle of a fucking pandemic? Like I know what I'm I know what I'm doing tonight. So if you haven't been to Tito's, I've been to Camino Real over in Franklin, like West Pueblo Real. Pueblo Real. Sorry. Pueblo Real. It's out of the way. It's far, but it's some of the best like Mexican American food I've had in Middle Tennessee. It's not Nolensville Road Mexican for the real deal, but in terms of like beans and cheese and meat melted on a plate, I think it's oh. like top level. Um, it's amazing. Yeah, uh, they're right by our house. We used to live in Spring Hill. And they, um, they opened a Tito's in like the right next to our house. Like we lived in the subdivision right behind that Kroger and they yeah. opened a Tito's right there. And then we moved and I was like, damn, <laughs> Why dude, we, we are big. We're big El Agavero people. Yeah. Your brother always tells me to go there and I still have yet to try it. El Agavero is fantastic. If you live in Bellevue, like El Agavero, I mean, there's Cancun, there's U.S. border, there's all these Mex- in re- re- Mexican restaurants in Bellevue, but El Agavero is like next to the Bed Bath and Beyond, back in the corner, and it is top notch. However, now that Tito's is open, you could walk the Tito's if there was a sidewalk. Tito's is really, really. I could, yeah, I could totally walk to Tito's. It, it really, I, I, you know, I know it's a family-owned business, and like I said, I've been to Pueblo Real, which is like the, I guess, where they started. Yeah. Uh, and you can just tell, like it's quality food. You order their, uh, their they have a special guacamole that's not pre-made. The casera. Oh, they're legit. They're legit. Delicious food. So I'm excited about that. We haven't tried it yet, but um, yeah, we you know we we've probably done takeout maybe once every two weeks. We really um, we keep it minimal. I did. I was really lucky. Uh, my good friend Aaron Clemens, who I also should get on the show with you, uh, is starting a new sandwich joint over in Inglewood called Bill's Sandwich Palace. Yes. They did a pop-up two weekends ago uh, at Sloco, uh, or Insert Chef here down in 12 South. Jeremy Barlow's place. Yeah, we talked about them yesterday on the Roundup, or last week on the Roundup. I forget, this Uh, is Monday. Really, really, really good. And actually, they're doing a pop-up today and tomorrow. Yeah, Monday, Tuesday, in East Nashville at their location, which will be out of – they're going to be operating at a TKO in Inglewood. Um, Okay, so TKO today, Monday, and tomorrow, Tuesday? Correct. You'll be able to order lunch. I think it's going to be from 11 to 4. They'll be doing a couple sandwiches, a pasta, and some side dishes um, all online. You just go pick it up. Um, and uh, I'll make sure to connect you and Aaron. You guys should uh, should do an interview. 
Yes. We do that too. You know what we should do? We should collaborate. There's all these chef collaborations. We should do a, we should collaborate and do a couple interviews together. I'd love that. We yeah. could do like a joint Rhizome home production and Nashville restaurant radio collaboration and just go live on both of our channels and do it at the same time. I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> I mean, why not, right? I love it. Yeah. Chefs can do it. Why can't we do it? I'm I'm in. Let's do it. We'll we'll get we'll we'll get Aaron on together. We can talk sandwiches and beer. Yeah. I love it. That's great. That's awesome. this, is, this is why we do these things. Yeah. This is so much fun. But uh but yeah, so outside of that, you know, like I said, we've been we've been cooking a lot. Uh, you know, last week, not that it's homemade, but every now and then when we go to KNS, we'll just buy like five different kinds of uh, dim sum dumplings and steam it all up one night for dinner. My kids love it. Dumplings. Have you heard about locust? Uh, it's, it's been infecting my social feed, so I need to go. Has <laughs> <laughs> been, hasn't it? It's a, opening, uh, opening this week. They're open this week. Yeah. I so dumplings and, and Trevor, great, great chef. Um, it's nice to see that he's feeding people in Nashville again. It is. I think everybody in the whole city is really excited about that place. In like six months, when you can just walk in and order food, I'm going to be really excited about that. Because so they're going to be so damn busy. I don't want to turn the interview around, but I want to ask you a question. Because you've Come been on. talking to chefs and restaurant owners for mm-hmm. months now. There's still restaurants opening. It's really hard for me to understand that because there are so many challenges. You don't have dining rooms. Um, on the flip side, though, we see... Well, you do have dining rooms. Well... But limited capacity, mm-hmm. you know, 50%, whatever it is, your rent's not 50%, your food costs aren't 50%, your sales tax isn't 50%. Um, you know, it's hard to imagine opening a restaurant when you can't do it, what we perceived as normal once upon. Mm-hmm. Um, what's been, what have you, what's been the conversations that you've had in terms of like what it's like, not just to o- operate a restaurant right now, but to open one? Like, have you talked to anybody who has recently opened yeah, and then we've talked to a lot of people who've recently opened restaurants. And the thing is, is that they restaurants take years to open, you know. So, exactly. so no, nobody decided to open a restaurant during the pandemic. No, All of the restaurants continued. that are they've continued yeah, the process. They've continued the process, and I think it's a math problem. So, I mean, if you you talked about those expenses, Southwest Airlines burning sixteen million a day. There's a cost, so there's an initial investment that you have when it comes to opening a restaurant, and you. You do all of the the lawyers. There's a legal fee to negotiate the space and the lease, and you get all of that done. And then you start buying equipment, you build it out, you pay contractors, you do all of this work. And then, you know, you're just supposed to like stay and hold me. All that stuff was done presumably before the pandemic. I mean, nobody, I mean, people that saw this coming. So, I mean, do you just stop because you still have all that money you've just spent? So, I mean, the idea here is get it open as quick as possible and stop the bleeding. If I can fill my dining room halfway and run, you know, I think what people are doing is they're being smarter with how they're doing it. And the recommendation I put on the show last week was to really do a great job with to-go and delivery. I mean, so many people, to-go and delivery isn't part of their model, but we've all had to kind of, the word pivot again, you've had to pivot to that. But I've been talking about to-go and delivery over the past two years. I mean, people... Kids today are born with a cell phone in their hand. And well, I mean, it's true. I mean, people today are born. Technology is the next wave. If you're not in on technology or you think it's a fad, you're going to fail. So, I mean, 
people dining off premise is the wave of the future. It is so easy to look at my phone. I don't order pizza that way anymore. When was the last time you picked up a phone, called a place and said, yeah, I'd like a pizza. No, you just ordered on your phone and you walk in and pick it up. That's how, and I think the pandemic has fast forwarded this trend because people have realized now this is so easy to do. So new restaurants that are coming in have a strong game plan for how they're going to do to go and delivery. It's a huge revenue revenue source. And then if you can do your dining room at halfway, um, I think that they're they're not generating profits. I think the name of the game right now is to try and break even, yeah. keep yeah. people employed, and that's that's the if you're opening a new restaurant. There's still a buzz. I mean, we're still talking about it. I mean, Locust yeah. is going to be busy as hell. Um, the Optimist is doing really well over there in Germantown. Yes, I have a friend who's uh, the bar manager there or bar director there. Yes. I mean, these restaurants that are opening are doing pretty good. I mean, I think the restaurants that are really struggling are the people that nobody really knows about and can't really do a lot of marketing or that don't have a reputation for being safe. I think that getting out there and proactively, uh, I'm going to do a show this week and my new segment on brand is going to be about mediocrity and how right now, so many people, I hear the excuse, and I say it's an excuse. I mean, it's legitimate, and I'm not just being unempathetic, but the excuse of, oh, we're in a pandemic. This is really hard. Like, I get it. It is. That is true. Suck it up. However, you got to sit down in a room of people that are really smart and go, how do we beat that? Yeah. How do we get beyond it? And you know what? The restaurants that are getting beyond that, who have somebody at the front door who's greeting you, who's opening that front door for you so you don't have to touch it, yeah. that first impression, right? If I walk into a restaurant and nobody talks to me and there's people standing right in front of the door, nobody opens the door because I'm conscious about touching stuff. And like, if somebody opens the door for me and they check my temp, now they, you can do it on your wrist. I and they that. check my wrist temp and they say, Welcome to XYZ Restaurant. We're so excited you're here. Let me tell you a little bit how the dining experience is going to go this evening. First, we're going to see each table. There's a QR code on the table. We really want to do everything touch-free. We want you to feel safe and comfortable. We're excited about you being here. If you ever don't feel comfortable, let us know. But enjoy your dining experience. And if they just let you on. Like, why are restaurants not doing that? And if you're not doing that or you're yeah. not being safe, that's mediocre. And that's you kind of mailing it in. And I don't expect those are the restaurants that are going to make it right now. You've got to be going above and beyond to to show the general public and show your guests that you take this thing seriously and that it, it doesn't just reflect on the front entrance. This goes all this reverberates through the entire restaurant, the things that we're doing. And you've got to be better. You've got to be better than everybody else. And the restaurants that do that right now are killing it. I, yeah, I agree. I, th I think technology has saved so many businesses as long as they embrace it. I do think this is my my opinion. I am a little worried, you know, coming into winter, it's going to be colder. Outdoor seating is going to be a little more challenging, even with heaters and those things. Like, you know, you put a hot plate of pasta down on a table and it's 40 degrees outside. It's going to be cold in five minutes. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think going, coming in the winter, you know, people are going to, I think, maybe be a little more hesitant to even sit down in a reduced capacity restaurant just between flu and everything else. Like, Completely agree. It, it I think... I think, unfortunately, we haven't truly seen the effects that this is going to have on restaurants in the long term. I mean, even though it's been seven months, I think it's only going to get harder, especially as we come in the winter. Um, you know, look, the federal government has done a shit job at getting restaurants the help they need, music venues the help they need, 
um, you know, my industry, not just me personally, I meant like events and yeah. entertainment. I mean, I, I really feel for everybody who owns a venue in this town, you know, Chris Cobb, good friend, and Josh over at Marathon, like it's a hard time. Mike Grimey, I mean, it's such a hard time to think, you know, they have these great facilities that are historic and host amazing concerts and we can't go. And, you know, their rents do, you know, my, like the only good thing that came of the tornado for Mike Grimey is that he hasn't been able to be been open, but construction's almost done. And guess what? Rent's going to be due, mm -hmm. um, you know? Yeah. So I, mean, I think that that's, and people have been, there's been some amazing stories of landlords that have been that's incredibly true. gracious and understanding and people that said, look, you know, again, Caroline Galzin tells me all the time and you know, I, cause I ask her like, how are you guys doing? How are you guys doing? And Tony over there, which you mentioned Tony, I always talk about Caroline, but Tony and Caroline, they're both together. Both oh, amazing. Two of them but are, they, uh, you know, she tells me her landlord, she goes, he's the best dude. Like he is so amazing. This guy is just giving us like, he has been so amazing and she just sings his praises. And I know not everybody gets that opportunity, but no. that's why I talk about to goes. I mean, if you're not right now ramping up your, if, if you went from, all to go to now we're doing dining room. If you as a restaurant owner right now are not putting hiring people, putting systems and processes to make your to go a delivery, the yeah. best it can possibly be, yeah. you're going to, it's going to get cold. It's going to get dark early. And guess what? Everybody now knows how to order to go. Oh yeah. Yeah. And it's it, an easy, nobody's afraid of it anymore. One of the things that's impressed me and I haven't seen it a lot, but I'm slowly seeing it is people are really upping the game on packaging of to-go food. Oh yeah. The continental is leading the game on that I, too. I, I was going to refer to that one. Um, a friend of mine who lives in Atlanta though, and I'll try and find the picture and send it to you. You can share it with everybody. It's a, it's a sushi pop-up in Atlanta. Um, famous shit like sushi chef from Japan opened up this pop-up in Atlanta. It was immaculate. It was like artwork and it was to go. And I was just amazed and I mean, she ordered it. It was delivered to her house. It came in this special package that had a, a disposable freezer block in it. Nice. So it wouldn't get warm, but the rice still was like the perfect consistency. It looked like artwork. And, and yeah, the Continental, you know, great ex example of that. I mean, gold to go trays, like, come on, get the fuck out. <laughs> but, you know, like if you hand me a styrofoam box of your food and there's water dripping from the top of it, it's not going to taste very good. No, unless that's what you expect. I mean, if you, I mean, there's a cost associated having gold to go containers. No, no. You're paying for it. You're ordering food from from a new hotel downtown Nashville. If you're if you're paying sixty dollars for it to go play, then yeah, it better be in a gold thing. But if you're getting dim sum from somewhere and it costs four ninety nine, it's probably going to come in that plastic bag. And another thing is, you know, as consumers, as guests, we've got to be, you know, we've got to understand what restaurants are going through right now. These one star reviews that people are leaving for restaurants. And I saw three people in a restaurant that weren't six feet apart and I'm taking pictures and I'm going to put it on Yelp. Like get the fuck out of here. Stop, stop with that shit. Like this Yelp. Yelp is shit. Oh man. It's, I mean, I, you know, it's just a tough, tough situation for these restaurants. And uh, that's why we have a TikTok page now uh -oh. and it, it's a little shameless plug, but on our TikTok page, you can see chefs reading one-star reviews. Those we, um, yeah, it's called it's Nashville Restaurant Radio on TikTok, and um, I've got I've got a lot of views. It's amazing. I've got one video that over a hundred thousand views. Um, 
but yeah, it's chefs reading one star reviews that are ridiculous pandemic reviews. And it's really funny. So, <laughs> well, Matt left. Thank you so much, man. We are, um, we've talked twice as long as we did on our first interview. And nice. I implore everybody out there to go back and listen to that interview. And um, we are, you're going you, this is not the, the last you're going to hear of Brandon and again. Matt. Yeah, let's do it again. We're going to, we're not only doing this, we're going to do it together. I love that idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna think of some guests that we, we we can sort of like I can bring in my angle, you bring in your angle, and we'll do it together. I think we that could be a lot of fun. Maybe we should do a um, beer edition of the roundup. We'll Let's just bring on like five brewmasters in different places and just say, hey, look, let's let's do 15 minute interviews. We'll do some rapid fires, and we'll just do like a whole beer nerd out day or something. I love that. I love. This that. is how ideas happen. You see, people are like, how do you do that? Like, can you just do it? You just do it. You don't, just do it. Do it. You don't think about it. You just go. <laughs> you just go. I love it, dude. Well, hey, thank you. You've been an inspiration to me with everything you are doing. I see other people out there doing similar things, and I go, I like that. I'm on StreamYard because of you. StreamYard. Started what? Yeah. I started watching your stuff. Uh, you and Jensen Cummings, but like you, I was just like, wow, that's really cool. How does he do that? I want to do that. <laughs> and now I do that. So um, Awesome. Thanks for all you're doing, man. Yeah. And if, if for everybody who does watch this, if you want to learn more about the uh, virtual events that we do, just go to our Facebook page, just facebook.com forward slash Rhizome Productions. We post them all up there. We were in the process of updating our website and it just, it's not a priority right now. So we do everything through Facebook and our, and Eventbrite. So if you Google Rhizome uh, Productions on Eventbrite or, or Facebook, you'll find us. All right. Well, I always finish the show and I give my guest the final word. Oof. Whatever you want to say, as long as you want to say it, no holds barred. You're speaking to to Nashville or I, all over the world. People are, yeah, it's amazing how many people are all over the world. 30 countries have listened to this podcast. Shit, that's awesome. Yeah, crazy, isn't it? <laughs> so the floor is yours, man. Take us out. Wow, I don't even know what to say. I mean, I'm just happy to do this and talk to people and maybe somebody will listen. Um, you know, I think just to resonate with what, you do, Brandon. Support your local restaurants. Understand it's a hard time. Uh, and from my world, support your local and regional breweries. They need it more than ever. You know, on-premise consumption is down. So buying a six-pack from a local brewery at their tap room, it goes a long way. So do that. You know, obviously the supermarket's easy. They've got some decent local choices. Um, and, and, and it's keeping a lot of breweries alive having beer at supermarkets. But go do a curbside pickup at one of our local breweries. They need the support more now than ever uh, buy some merch go have a beer in their tasting room if they got outdoor seating they're allowed to be open right now um you know and uh if you want to have a virtual event experience we love you to have your support as well all right that's it there it is that's what you got all right i love it oh and, and wear a mask please how's that wear a mask it's not hard delia delia always says to finish the roundup you can still be pretty with a mask on exactly yeah. Why not? Right. <laughs> Matt left Rising Productions. Thank you, sir. Thanks, Brandon. Cheers. And there you go. Thank you, Matt Left, for joining us here on Nashville Restaurant Radio. Uh, appreciate you taking the time to catch us up. I love what he said there at the end. I just, you know, I think we talk about eating local, dining local, spending your money with local restaurants, as he kind of mentioned, but then also local breweries, local distilleries, local boutiques, like we talked about the other day for 12 South. 
just any business where you could potentially purchase something from somebody who lives in the area, let's keep it local, guys. It's so, so important. And um, we just thank you so much for listening to our little local show. And uh, we hope that you are being safe. Love you guys. Bye.